the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh, and we are brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks Packages Long-Term Winning Betters. Once again, that's SportsPredictor.com. Also, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Once again, that's on Twitter at PredictorHQ. On this episode, we've got Chris Dawson back with us to break down week 15 of the NFL slate. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter. You can find him at Cash Gritty. Once again, that's on Twitter at Cash Gritty. So, wild week 14 uh, in the NFL season. How did that go for you last week, Chris? Um, it wasn't too bad. Of course, didn't perform quite as well as we would have wanted to, but we were able to squeak out a slim profit Started out 1-0 and on the Thursday night game, taking the Bears' money line at plus 140. And then Sunday we split the day. We went 4-4. Four and four. Um, Losses with the Bills, the Saints, the Raiders, and the Cardinals first half. And we picked up wins on the Falcons. Browns, Bengals over, the Chiefs, and the Rams to go 5-4 and four for the week. And thanks to uh, the Bears play being a money line, we were able to uh, beat the juice a little bit for a small profit. Nice. I know we were, we were talking about that Falcons-Panthers uh, game a little in depth, wondering you know, how uh, how that new coach thing was going to work out for the Panthers, and you were pretty adamant about that. Like, I, I don't care. I don't care if they have a new coach. Uh, you know, they, they beat them down in the first meeting, and then uh, they did it once again in that second one. So, great call. On yeah, that. good Yes, it was an easy victory that day. That was a, a, what they would call a cigar game. So yeah. you're able to relax in the fourth quarter and, and uh, finish that one off. Very cool, very cool. Uh, as always, got to ask you, uh, any major takeaways from last week? Um, no, I wouldn't say um, anything out of the ordinary. I think it's um, the similar story to what we've had in previous weeks where it's all about playoff hunt and um, of course we saw some more separation uh, slightly last week and things are tightening up but I don't think there's any major storylines that aren't being covered by you know the other outlets and major media that need to be touched on all right all right so uh, as we come down here to uh, week 15 uh, obviously a couple teams battling for position a couple of these matchups will certainly dictate uh, what happens there but let's get it kicked off as always with the Thursday night uh, you know, it's funny. We've we've had a couple good matchups here recently on Thursday night, and then we get this one here with the Jets at the Ravens. Uh, Jets are going to be underdogs of I've seen it anywhere from fourteen and a half to fifteen and a half, uh, with the total here at forty-five. Uh, any particular lean that you got on this one? No, I think it's it's definitely a no-go. Unfortunately, uh, um, but you know, be uh, going to be an NBA night tomorrow. <laughs> Probably have to be an NBA <laughs> night tomorrow. Um, you know, I, I would kind of, I guess, lean the Ravens, uh, the Ravens here, but the reason why I can't make that a play is, you know, they just came off playing, what, I think, three playoff teams in a row, right. and uh, you think the intensity that they've had to bring uh, through through those games and in preparation, um, similar to what we saw in the Texans last week, there could be a letdown here by the Ravens. Uh, but again, hard to take the Jets. Um, just not real sure which Jets team will show up. And with their uh, star safety, Jamal Adams being doubtful, yeah. he would be um, greatly needed uh, in the as an eighth guy in the box to stop that Ravens run. So I uh, can't back the Jets here. And again, I'm kind of worried that the Ravens may uh, have a little bit of a letdown and then get out of here by winning by a score or two. But again, the uh, Jets' inconsistency and 
and the fact that they're not really playing for much, you know, wouldn't be shocked either if the Ravens run them out of here and beat them by 20 plus. So it's just a hard one for me to read. There will be no play. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, I guess, you know, just to uh, try to give some final thoughts on the game. You know, it's very interesting. The Jets actually have, I believe it's the second best run defense in the NFL. But you take a look at who they've played this season, and, you know, it's certainly not uh, opponent's quality, you know, or similar to the Ravens in this one. So, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Redskins, Giants, you know, sort of teams like that that they've been getting a lot of these wins against. Uh, we know that they played the Dolphins and the Bengals not particularly well uh, in either of the last two weeks either. So, um, you know, definitely going to be interesting to see what Lamar Jackson has in store. And uh, injury news, you know, on Baltimore side of things too, tight end Mark Andrews, he could, uh, you know, potentially be unavailable for this one as well. Uh, you know, obviously Baltimore loves to set up the run to get Andrews going out there in the secondary. So that should definitely be an interesting one to watch. Well, and also, I guess, to bring up the injury point, um, I think even more important than the tight end where they're very uh, deep is their um, left tackle is also doubtful. So wow, good wow. chance he doesn't play this game as well. And, um, and again, you, you alluded to the Jets run defense. and Maybe they show up for a portion of the game tomorrow night, but stopping the run has a lot to do with effort. And we just wonder, um, you know, if the Jets are willing to play four quarters of, of – um, tough ground out football at the Ravens. So, all right. All right. Let's get into this one o'clock Sunday window. A lot of interesting games to get to. So without further ado, let's do it. Uh, we got the, the bears uh, traveling to Lambeau field to face the Packers. Uh, bears are five point underdogs in this one, which is pretty damn interesting. If you ask me, uh, we'll have a total of 41 in this, in this game as well. So, um, Kind of interested to see what you think on this one. Uh, you think that this is sort of a trap line here for Packers backers, or is this right where it needs to be? I mean, it's it's right there. You know, we're expecting the Packers to win this game um, simply because the Bears did look good against Dallas on offense, but we really still can't trust that Chicago Bears offense. Um, they're still having issues with getting their middle linebacker, Danny Trevathan, back on the field. He's questionable. Um, so I think he is would be a, um, a good addition to have back, especially with a Packers team and Aaron Rodgers, who really likes to work the ball to the running backs and the tight ends out of the passing game. And Danny Trevathan at middle linebacker being a three-down player would be, um, would be huge if they can get him back. Um, it, it's a tough call on the five points, so I'm going to hold off and do a little more research on this one. I don't have a decision made yet. Um, I do think it's worth noting that one thing I'll be watching for if I don't have a play, and this goes back to end game and, and halftime, is um, if the Bears are down two scores at the half, this being kind of their nail in the coffin game, we can maybe see them come out a little lackadaisical in the second half and get blown out in Green Bay. So um, don't have a um, an actual position I'm taking yet on the full game, but if I don't have a position, I'll be looking to see if the Packers can build up a 10-plus uh, point lead at the half. And if that's the case, I will uh, ride with the Packers in the second half to, to bury the Bears. Yeah, it's an interesting one, especially since there's a total of 41 on this game. Uh, you know, again, with the five-point spread, definitely uh, definitely could see that happen there in the second half. And just to add an extra note about the possible second-half play, 
kind of the angle there is also if the Bears become a one-dimensional offense where they expect Mitchell Trubisky to throw the ball in first, second, and third down, that's a recipe for disaster. So that's another angle with them being down two scores in a very desperate situation. Yeah, very true. And again, this was the uh, the season opener uh, that we saw there on that Thursday night, and the Bears just absolutely could not do anything to move that ball. So, But again, a lot has changed from week one to uh, here to week 15, so... Definitely uh, definitely going to be a fun one to watch. All right, let's get uh, into the AFC South matchup here. This is going to be a dandy. Uh, the Houston Texans traveling to face the Tennessee Titans, where I, was, where I just was over the weekend. By the way, great, great place to be if you haven't been there yet, folks. But uh, Titans three-point favorites in this one. Total of 50 here. Ryan Tannehill got the boys looking good. Can they do it again? If this is... Possibly could be end up being the game of the week. Um, I, I, I do think it's also interesting that these two teams will also match up again in Houston in Week 17. Oh wow! Um, yeah. yeah, so they're playing two games in three weeks. Uh, this one, and then again they'll they'll match back up on the uh, Week 17 matchup. So, you know, the division won't quite be decided on this one. Um, Unfortunately, can't take a position right now because of uh, want to wait and see how the Tennessee Titans injury report shakes out. They have Adam Humphreys is questionable and Derrick Henry played uh, with a lingering injury last week. I do expect probably both of them to play, but I think it's also uh, more worth noting the defensive players who were questionable against the Texans pass game, and that would be cornerback Adoree Jackson and um, and then also their safety, uh, Kenny Vercara. So that's something that I'm kind of going to have to watch for and get confirmation. Um, I am kind of leaning towards the Texans just for the simple fact that, as we expected, they uh, laid an egg last week coming off that, that big New England win. Um, that should have been kind of a slap in the face and, and to wake them up. So even if they don't win this game, we expect it to go down to the wire and um, if we get Dory Jackson or Vaccaro out, then we could possibly be pulling the trigger on the Texans plus the three points. Very interesting. How about the money line? Um, nah, I, I would really want the three points in this division game. I think it's going down to the wire. And, you know, because of extra point misses and things like that, um, not really real big on the Texans kicker. So, you know, there's a possibility that they lose this game by one or two points. I don't think there's much extra value in grabbing that money line. All right, fair enough. Hey, you know me. I like to get greedy every now and again. So, hey, but, yeah, you got to, you know, that's what we hunt for. We're hunting for those, those <laughs> money lines that, you know, they pay out extra. Um, last week with the Bears as an example, that's the difference between a winning week and a losing week was picking up that extra 40% on that play. All right. All right. Uh, another rivalry game that we got here. This time we're taking it to the NFC East. Uh, Eagles, four and a half point favorites here against the Redskins with a very paltry total of 40. Uh, this, again, this is, this is another line to me that seems like a trap here against the Redskins. By the way, Redskins have played the Eagles very tough, whether they're in contention or not. Uh, remember, we, this is another matchup that we saw from week one. The Redskins got out to a 21 uh, nothing lead in Philadelphia. So uh, how do you see this one playing out? Well, we can make this one a free play. I will go it. ahead and punch the, yeah, go ahead and punch the chicken or the ticket on the Eagles all the way up to six and a half if it happens to go that high. Um, uh, they haven't played well, and but we know that with you know, uh, Winston, Carson Wentz, 
and then also Peterson, the coach, you know, they, there is some chemistry there. And when they get things going, it looks really well. And we haven't seen that in a couple of weeks. They survived that horrible game against the Giants on Monday night. And I expect the Eagles to really be fired up. Um, the Redskins have been playing well, but, you know, as more tape comes out on Dwayne Haskins, it should be a little more of a feeding frenzy for defenses in these last three weeks against him. And I think it starts this week with the Eagles in a runaway at Washington. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, for all of us that had uh, the Eagles, you know, whether it was in a, a parlay or just in a pool or whatever it was there on the money line, what a what a daunting game to go through in that, uh, you know, obviously dealing with the rain and all that slop and watching Eli Manning do his thing in the first half. Uh, yes, certainly glad to see uh, the Eagles come out on top of that. And again, too, I'm just glad to see them. I could not have, cannot have the Dallas Cowboys winning over them, so... Uh, that's good. That's certainly going to be a fantastic matchup next week that we're going to be watching on there. In regards to, you know, the trap line and things like that. Um, I think that has something to do with it is betters have been burnt by the Eagles recently and maybe a little reluctant to take them, especially, you know, everyone watched them on Monday night and it's always hard to pull the trigger on a team like that as a road favorite, um, you know, coming off of a miserable home display really. But I, I do believe in, the coaching staff and and the players on the team that are very engaged and, and Carson Wentz, you know, has his critics and he should. He hasn't performed that well, yeah. but he definitely puts puts in the work and is playing to win. You don't see him give up out there, and um, eventually some things are going to break his way. You know, there's been a lot of drop balls and, and some other things going on there that are very fixable for this Eagles team. So I wouldn't write them out just quite yet got a question for you because I, I maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm you know hitting this at the wrong at the at the later time but it seems to me like the teams that have played on prime time whether that be the Sunday night game or the Monday night game we're seeing huge huge um, you know overreactions to those lines whether they be the where they're set or where they end up moving based on better movement so are, are you noticing that this year more so than often or is this kind of the case every year um, I, I mean, I don't have any, I haven't tracked any, any kind of, you know, line movement or money movement that correlates with that. So I can't say necessarily if it's any different this year than other years. To me, it does make perfect sense. And I go back to where most people who are betting on these games aren't really watching these teams. They see highlights on major media and things like that. And then when they actually watch a full game, which are usually the prime time games, um, they're either very enthralled by a team who's very dominant or they feel like a team that performed poorly at that time is that's who they are and that they're not able to adapt or change. And, and I think it just comes back to, you know, we're in a perfect age right now. Lots of new millennial money coming in with, you know, the legalization of sports books opening up state by state. And, um, you know, some of those, I guess you would say, uh, rookie or beginning betters, um, have emotion towards you know games that they've watched and lost on so right. i wouldn't be shocked if, if some beginners are, are thinking that the eagles are horrible and the redskins are better than the giants and trying to make things very simplistic like that and we'll be pulling the trigger and you know there will be money bet on the redskins this week we do know that sure and again there's a there's a game in the four o'clock window which will actually lead off the four o'clock window with where both of those teams played in prime time, and you know you could you could tell who won and lost that game last week. But uh, sure, we will get there. We will get there soon. Uh, 
we had a little bit of controversy heading into this matchup. Patriots, 10-point uh, favorites heading into Cincinnati. Total at 40 and a half, which I found very surprising. But, uh, you know, we had the, again, just as I mentioned, the controversy there with uh, apparently the Patriots guys, uh, you know, filming their quote-unquote documentary out there in uh, Cincinnati, whatever, and all that kind of ridiculous nonsense. The Patriots could not have been spying on the Bengals, right? This has to be just some huge misunderstanding. Well, I honestly haven't gotten too involved in that. So, I, you know, I, of course, know the main storyline. I would say this. I, I'm not saying that um, they were spying or recording or doing something illegal up to this game next week. But also, um, the Patriots are looking to win championships, and it wouldn't surprise me if they were looking to get an edge <laughs> and make sure that they do secure victory because you know we know that the reason why that the Patriots are what they are is every week they're prepared for their opponent, and they uh, really don't take weeks off. They're not going to overlook this Bengals team, um, especially playing in Cincinnati. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they were up to something. Um, again, just like the former Spygate, I don't think that they're the only team who does these types of things. It's just they happen to be the ones who get caught. So for all we know, there was 15 teams doing the same thing. You know, it's, it is what it is. It's part of a uh, part of competition whenever you're playing for big money. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, huh? <laughs> well, we know one thing if as a handicapper, we're preparing for these games and trying to profit as much as we can to, and we're always looking for an edge. So to expect that these teams aren't doing the same things is, is just ludicrous. All right. As for the games, uh, any, any lean here? Um, I, I really don't want to lay the 10 points on the road. Uh, I, I do believe that the Patriots win this game. I think the total is kind of a telltale of expecting um, the Patriots to play this one very close to the vest. We already know Bill Belichick's not worried about making a statement or winning by three scores or anything like that. Uh, he wants to get in, in and out of here, keep his team healthy, and secure the win. So similar to other big Patriot lines this year before they kind of um, regressed, I I, I don't want to lay the 10 points with them. You know, they may blow the Bengals out and they could also just go to run, run, punt being up 17 or 20 points at the half and let the Bengals come back and score an old, by the way, back door cover right at the end. So, you know, I, I think if anything, um, we might have a similar little angle uh, that we could use this game and I won't be doing it, but I'll, I'll bring it up later on. There's could be something we could couple it with. And okay. if you really just can't get away from, you know, passing on the, the Patriots, cause we do expect them to win. I don't think they lose this game at Cincinnati. Yeah, that's right. Two losses in a row for uh, Belichick, Brady and the boys. So uh, definitely going to be interesting how they, to see how they roll out in this one. All right, let us get to, I guess, the, the last interesting game. There's a, there's three other games that we could, uh, you know, we could touch on one of them if you want. But it appears like the Drew Locke era has arrived in Denver. Uh, we are see, we're going to see them uh, take on the Kansas City Chiefs this week uh, in Kansas City. Now, this line has gone from 12 to 10 uh, with the total there at 46.5. Now, I'm kind of surprised because, number one, we've, you know, we just saw the, the Chiefs win at Foxborough. Um, you know, the defense stepped up when it needed to. It wasn't absolutely amazing. We can credit a lot of that to the the Patriots kind of falling off here on offense. But I'm kind of shocked that this many people are already on Drew Locke. And it appears like this is exactly what it is. They, I really don't see any other explanation for it. Now, 
We did talk about the Broncos last week, and they have been playing some competitive ball, but now that they got a confident signal caller there, things are looking nice in Denver once again. So, 10 points, is that too much to lay here, or do you think the, you think the Broncos can come in here and make some noise? Yeah, I think the 10 points is, is still too much to lay. Um, some of that comes from... The Chiefs did play well against New England, but in the second half, they kind of let off the throttle somewhat and kind of similar to what we were saying about the Eagles and public perception. Uh, you know, people are watching that and they feel like maybe that, that they were beatable at the end of that game. Some people say they should have lost that game. Um, as for the Broncos, Drew Locke does look really good, and I do expect them to play to win the game and not, you know, go into tank mode for – an extra slot or two on draft picks. I, I think the Drew Locke situation in Denver is kind of similar to the Baker Mayfield situation in Cleveland last year. They put him in there. He's looking good. It's uh, getting the young guys riled up and everyone fired up. I do think the Broncos are going to look to close this season strong to kind of make a statement and have some rejuvenation coming into next year. So I do believe that they are playing win this game i don't think they can win it in kansas city um, we've also seen them come out very strong against minnesota a couple weeks ago to open up that game yep. that was without drew hawk and then last week they absolutely dominated that houston texans for the first half this is a perfect situation if you really want to bet on the chiefs and you want to fade the broncos i think you're better off to wait to the half and see if you can get a better deal and then if you miss out on it and the chiefs are up big at the half then you just move on and and wait to swing your bat at another pitch. But, um, yeah, I, I don't want to lay the, the, the 10 here with the Chiefs playing against that good Broncos team. And just to reiterate, you know, the Chiefs got the job done against a regressing New England team, but they didn't look lights out great. And then also the previous week before that coming out of the bye, they pretty much got a gimme game by the Raiders, so we didn't get to see much from them there. Yep. Um, and then even before the bye week, they weren't really looking that good. So it would have be nice to see, you know, if the Chiefs get challenged here by the Broncos, how they're able to uh, stand up to, you know, to that if for some way the Broncos can do what they did to Minnesota and the Texans and get a lead against the Chiefs. Very hard to beat them in Kansas City. So, again, the angle here for me is just to wait till the half and, and see if we can find a way to get the Chiefs at minus three or better. Uh, interesting find here on the total. So uh, in the notes here, I have it at 46 and a half, but, uh, you know, so it opened at 47. Now it's dropped down to 45 and a half. Um, you know, 55% of the bets I'm seeing here coming on the under, uh, is there any kind of weather or anything that we should know about or that as you were saying that I was just thinking, you know, it's that time of year, Kansas city's in the yeah. Midwest. There could be some inclement weather coming in, but I think more than anything that, is just going back to uh, the angle of the, the Broncos have still one of the top, we'll say, you know, safely say one of the top 10 defenses in, in the NFL. And um, they're starting a rookie quarterback on the road in a division game against the Chiefs defense that, you know, had, did play good against New England and against the Raiders, even though both of those offenses are struggling. I think this is more of the fact that we have a rookie quarterback Again, on the road in a division game, uh, backed by a good defense. So, you know, I can see why people are looking at the under here. So I, I had to look myself, of course, the curious cat that I am. I uh, So Sunday 
we've actually got snow in the forecast for Kansas City. Now, here's the interesting thing. It probably about eh, 1 o'clock, or I guess right around kickoff, it'll be right at 33%. Now, the snow is supposed to pick up increasingly. Uh, it looks like, like overnight from Sunday into Monday. So, as we all know with the weather, this stuff is, oh, is always ever-changing. And, uh, you know, that, that could certainly be escalated, I guess, a little uh, more further up into the forecast. So that is certainly something to look forward to. And when it comes to weather for me in regards to football, the only thing I'm really concerned with that affects the total is wind. Mm. I don't think snow or rain that necessarily keeps people from scoring. I think it's similar to what, you know, we say about all double-edged swords is sometimes that could create scores. A guy drops a punt, drops the ball, yeah. gives someone the, the, the ball on the 10-yard line, or they pick it up and run it back in quickly. So over my years of experience, you know, I've watched games and inches of snow where both teams have been able to easily push the total over. So it seems to be wind affecting the ability to throw the ball and, and kick field goals, which um, I always am curious about for the totals in regards to weather. Yep. Of course, a foot of snow or something like that's a little bit different, but nowadays, you know, they have these heated fields and how well they take care of them and keep them clean. I don't think an inch or two of snow is going to have much effect on the total. All right. Good call. Yeah. And I'm looking at the wind that's below 10 miles an hour. So should be good there. All right, uh, as for the rest of the 1 o'clock slate, there were three games that we didn't touch on. Dolphins at Giants, Bucks at Lions, Seahawks at Panthers. Any of those that uh, tickled your fancy? No, I definitely scratched the uh, the Dolphins and the Giants and also um, scratched the Buccaneers and the Lions. I'm not going to be doing anything on those. Um, I'm going to keep the Seattle and Carolina on my board. I'm going to watch for it. If the Panthers could possibly get up to seven, seven and a half with a, with a lot of public money coming in, um, I would maybe be willing to look further into finding an angle on the Panthers and see if it's there. Don't really like laying that money on this or laying the points with the Seahawks traveling east coming off of um, the big game that they the big division game they just had against the Rams so yeah. um, but I, I could sniff at the Panthers here possibly seven or seven and a half just just basically fading um, the Seahawks to come in a little bit flat after their their uh, Monday night bet down to the Rams but if it doesn't get to at least seven and a half I don't want nothing to do with it so that that public uh, backing that you alluded to uh, so far 88 percent of public bets are in favor of the Seahawks, and it's gone up to six. So, you know, perhaps a couple more can uh, follow the leader on that one. Yeah, and we, and we know that, you know, for the only way to really get to that would probably be Sunday. If we yeah. have a lot of money come in. And um, I also wouldn't be surprised if we get a little bump with uh, a lot of people, you know, the the favorite money line parlay crew possibly looking to factor them in with the Patriots or something like that. So, um, you know, that, that we could possibly get it up over seven. It's hard to get it. It takes a lot of money to get it that high, but um, this is one where it could happen. So I'm keeping an eye on it and keeping it circled on the board just in case we get there. Then at that time, we'll do a little further investigation to see if we want to put some money behind the Panthers. All right. All right, let's get into this 4 o'clock window. we got to start with the game that we alluded to earlier. It is the Rams at the Cowboys uh, with a total of 49 both teams' season is heavily on the line right here. Uh, Rams actually opened up as uh, plus three, plus three for this Rams team at the Cowboys. 
Uh, they have now moved drastically all the way up to minus one in this game. So, as I mentioned, oh, and by the way, we've got a total, a uh, very zoftic uh, total of 49 on this game as well. So, this is exactly what we were talking about earlier, where, you know, everybody saw the Cowboys lose on uh, Thursday night in Chicago, and then the Rams just absolutely come out and boat race the Seahawks. Uh, on Sunday night football. So what's pretty interesting here, obviously the Cowboys get some extra days of preparation in the past. Maybe it hasn't been such a great thing with Jason Garrett as the, as the coach there, but uh, who do you like in this one? Because this, this is probably going to be one of the more heavier bet games of the year. I have to imagine. Yeah, this is a, this is a very big game. Um, At this time, I'm not going to take a position until the injury report clears up. I've been fading the Dallas Cowboys ever since Van Der Esch, the linebacker, has not been on the field. He's doubtful, and they're talking about putting him on IR. If if he's a no-go this week, I cannot bet the Cowboys. And I do want to take just a moment to to explain um, the importance of having him on the defense and why I've been basically fading the Cowboys without him. You know, the the strength of this Cowboy defense is being being able to play him and Jalen Smith all three downs on the field because they both have the ability to defend tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. No matter which one of them you take off, off the field, it just really has a major ripple effect on the whole defensive scheme that the Cowboys want to do. And what we've seen without him on the field is when the Cowboys try to get into man situations, Jalen Smith speed covers so much of the middle of the field similar to how a bad chess player would poorly use a a uh, bishop or a rook on a chessboard. So like, or I guess so a better like example me against would my be, dad in chess. I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess a better example would be the knight. You know, the knight can move in an L um, shape, which creates a circle. And if he's in the middle of the board, he can dominate a lot of space. Um, so not to get too wordy here, what we're seeing teams do against the Cowboys with Jalen Smith is they're either A, forcing them to play zone, which takes a lot, takes away a lot of the reasoning for having uh, a linebacker like Jalen Smith who can play man coverage. And when they do put him in man, they're simply taking running backs and tight ends. They're running small outs to the sidelines or wheel routes to keep Jalen Smith away from the middle of the field. They're getting gashed in the run game and the tight end seam game because of that. The Rams are firing off on all cylinders right now in offense. They look phenomenal. Um, so I, I we need to make sure that Van Der Esch isn't playing. And if he's not playing, may have to continue to fade the Cowboys here, um, even though it's tough to win on the road. If he's not playing, we'll probably also be leaning towards the over 49. I like that. I like that. Yeah, the Rams just look absolutely magnificent. They're getting Robert Woods involved. Thank God they got my man a touchdown. I mean, I got Robbie Woods in fantasy. Guy's catching balls all over the joint, and he finally gets a touchdown last week. So that was great to see. But, yeah, I mean, you know, last week they got Tyler Higby going, who I've always loved since uh, coming out of Western Kentucky. Uh, you know, it's great to see him. I mean, uh, Gerald Everett was out for those Rams, and they were still able to get it done there. But, yeah, I mean, look, it's funny how how the, the wave of the NFL season goes, you know, where the Rams looked absolutely dead in the water. Now here they come uh, after that embarrassing loss on Monday night. They come up with two dominant performances. 
uh, you know, against division opponents. So, yeah, I definitely like what they're doing. And the Cowboys, too, man. Just, I mean, you mentioned it with the injury. Obviously, that's a major factor. But, you know, these guys just got to get it done. I mean, they have no choice. I mean, the only way to get into the playoffs for the Cowboys is to win the NFC East over these lowly Eagles. So, they better not lose any more ground. And you, you can't judge any team in an absolute. There are teams who can lose a middle linebacker or a corner or safety or whatever it is, and the ripple effect is just not quite the same. It depends on the total makeup of the team, and also it's a very important to the scheme. But if you track the Cowboys since Van Der Esch took Sean, what's Sean Lee's job years or middle of last year or beginning of last year, Anytime they haven't had either Van Der Esch or Jalen Smith on the field, the defense's numbers have changed drastically. And you can simply see on tape to where teams are able to take advantage of that. Uh, I do kind of knock the coaching staff for not being able to come up with something um, because, you know, one player who's not considered a necessarily top player at his position or top five player at his position shouldn't have that much of a ripple effect. And um, so it's, it's, I don't know. Not not a real good not a real good uh, look for the Dallas defensive coaches. All right, all right. Now I gotta get a little selfish on this one because once again I am in the final four of every fantasy league. I'm in only two this year, but uh, this matchup weighs very heavily on what we gotta go here. So we gotta we gotta break down the X's and the O's here. Uh, we got the Vikings minus two and a half at the Chargers. Total of forty four and a half in this one. Now. I'm playing my best friend this week, right? So he's got Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, and Hunter Henry all on one side, and I got the Vikings defense. Who's going to be crying at the end of the day? Is it me or him? Uh, well, uh, I was going to say him, but I was going off not. Yeah, I wasn't no. going off yardage. I was going off <laughs> off of the total. I, I like this total to go under. I like. But that. in regards, like but in regards, so I guess I should say like this. I don't know how you're scoring system is but he's probably going to rack up some yardage on you but probably not a lot of touchdowns okay you know i could deal with that i could deal with that because what i expect from an x and o standpoint is you know the vikings really play uh bend don't break in between the 30s okay you know and the Chargers are probably going to drive the ball in between there and get some yardage and then the vikings really tighten up they, they don't really change the defensive approach much just that the field shrinks, there's, you know, more room for, I mean, I'm sorry, less room uh, for separation for the offense. So I do expect the Chargers to move the ball some. Their red zone offense hasn't looked that great. Phillip Rivers doesn't really take care of the ball. There's no reason for him to take care of the ball this game. He'll be firing at will. And we can see that, you know, the Chargers turn the ball over some, um, not be able to really sustain drives. But I do think they give some first downs and, and control a little bit of the time of possession. Uh, hard to take the Vikings on the road. They just don't really look the same away from home. And even though it's only two and a half uh, to, re- to go back to Phillip Rivers, we also know that he's going to come out and compete and play to win the game, whether he plays really good or really bad. Right. He's not tanking anything. He, he's a, he's just an effort guy who plays to win the game. So I uh, don't like laying the points with the Vikings on the road and really can't take the Chargers here against a strong Vikings team that does definitely need to win this game because of where they're at in the playoff hunt. Um, the Chargers defense is kind of built right now um, to be able to give the Vikings some fits. You know, they have their uh, safety back and then also they have a shutdown corner in Hayward. Um, 
So, you know, the Vikings might not necessarily like them up. I, I can expect this one to go over the 44 and a half. So I'm, I'm sorry, under the 44 and a half. I, hey, I'm cool with that. I'm very cool with that. A couple turnovers in the mix. I'm so cool with that. Uh, yeah. All right, let me ask you something because it's. I found this pretty interesting. So remember, uh, we saw the Packers go west to uh, face the Chargers, I, I don't know, whether a month ago or so. And the Packers were favored by three in that game. So we're seeing sort of a very similar situation here with the Vikings at minus two and a half. How do you compare the Packers to the Vikings right now? And, you know, I guess could the I guess my my end question here is, can the can the Vikings just avoid that complete meltdown that the Packers did? Well, I think the big difference is the Chargers were still in the hunt then. So, you know, they were a little bit different of a mentality from the Chargers. Um but as in regards to any other, you know, similarities between the two, I think that it's probably going to be a different game than that. I don't think the Chargers are going to blow the Vikings out here. Uh, the Vikings, to me, have more of a consistent offense than the Packers. Um, we, we've seen some weeks where the Packers just don't really show up uh, for the whole game. The Chargers game is a perfect example of that. Uh, the Vikings have had some bad quarters and has, but usually they, they're able to work things out because of the balance that they have between the running pass um, the Packers seem to be able to run the ball one week and can't throw the ball and throw the ball one week and can't run the ball I think some of that has to do with their first year in a new offensive system and of course there's going to be you know some kinks along the way so um, I think the offenses are a little bit different the Packers seem to probably because of Aaron Rodgers being a gunslinger a little more um, opened up and, and can really hurt you bad and the Vikings seem to have a little more balance and consistency Packers offense sounding like my golf game. I could drive some days and I can't chip and putt others. The other days I can't drive I mean, they, and chip and putt. Yeah, they just they just haven't been, you know, the Chargers game's an example. If you're gonna be a, you know, I mean you have an elite quarterback and with an elite quarterback you expect to be an elite offense and you just can't have weeks like that. Nah, definitely not. All right, so there are three uh, three games left in that four o'clock slate. That we that we did not touch on. Where I guess we don't have to get too in depth in them, unless you want to. Uh, I'm just gonna rattle them off real quick. Uh, Falcons at the 49ers, where the Niners are 11 and a half point favorites. Jaguars at Raiders, Raiders six and a half point favorites. Browns two point favorites at the Cardinals. Uh, any of those appeal to you, or do all of them appeal to you? Well, I think it's worth noting that this will be the Raiders' last game in the black hole. Ah, okay, okay. The, no matter – right now the Raiders are a mess. They've, they regressed tremendously. We we spoke about this for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, I've been pretty much calling and saying it's about a wrap because of depth. Yeah. No matter who they've filled this week, no matter who they put out there, the electric in that building when those players take the field will propel them to win this game. Can they cover the six-and-a-half or seven? I don't know. Um this takes us back to the Patriots and saying possibly if you have to play the Patriots, this is where you play it at. I think if you really uh, have to play that Patriots money line, I think it's pretty safe to couple with this Raiders money line uh, right here. That's what you're talking um, about there's no before, way that, yeah. Yeah, there's no way they're going to lose this last game in Oakland. The oh. NFL just will not let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not that, but that was a joke. But honestly, the, the Oakland fans won't let it happen. Um it just won't. The energy will be overwhelming. And the Jaguars, of course, are coming and playing for nothing. And uh, because of the problems that Oakland does have right now in the defense, 
and also with the depth at wide receiver. I'm not willing to lay the points here, but I, I do think that one way or another they find a way to win the game. So if that's any consolation or helps anybody, you can confidently uh, expect the Raiders to for sure win on Sunday. So I wanted to ask you, too, about the total because you, you just mentioned it right there. Jags coming in with absolutely no expectations in this game. Raiders going to be all jacked up, you know, to give the Oakland fans one last hurrah. Uh, can we see the over in this one? Um, that's unpredictable in my eyes. Uh, this Raiders team right now was just a mess on both sides of the ball. Um, nagging injuries on the offensive line. You know, the secondary is just shredded down to nothing. Possibly no Daryl Worley this week. So I won't play the total. I, I would say this though. There's no way I would take the under. Uh, both these teams will probably, you know, similar to what I said about the Browns and the Bengals, the coaches, since they're not playing for much, they kind of like a college bowl game. They seem like to open it up, take a little more risks. That doesn't necessarily always guarantee an, an over. Sometimes that can work against teams, like we've said before, a team going forward on fourth and one um, on the 20-yard line instead of kicking a field goal. If they don't get it, it's a bad thing for your for your over. Of course, right. so you would rather take the three points. Um, I wouldn't play it, but if I had to pick one side, I would take the, uh, the over, and that's just because I think both offensive coaches don't mind chucking it up this time of year. I like it. You know, it seems like all the excitement – I mean – Granted, the volume of games isn't there in the 4 o'clock slate as always, but it seems like all the excitement is here in the 4 o'clock window. Very exciting. Yeah, you got the Rams and the Cowboys. Oh, well, you know, the 1 o'clock shoot. I don't know. That, that Texans-Titan game is, oh, a, yeah, is a huge, huge, pivotal game. Now, those aren't big, um, what would you call them, you know, public teams and yeah. big fan bases like the Rams and the Cowboys. So the Rams and the Cowboys – will both get a lot of the attention when neither one of those teams might not make the playoffs. These Texans and Titans, one of these teams are going to make the playoffs. And not only that, it won't be decided um, on Sunday, but it will put a lot of pressure on the loser come week 17. And then also whoever they each play on week 16. So, you know, I think the one o'clock and also the Bears Packers at one o'clock. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I I like the one o'clock slate better than the four o'clock slate. Um, I'll have, two games on at four o'clock the Rams and the Cowboys uh, rather have a wager or not and then also I'll be watching the Raiders last game in Oakland all right all right uh any of those other uh four o'clock games that appeal to you um no nah, I'm not really on the Browns or the Cardinals you know the you would think that the Browns minus two is a good play here but they're not playing for anything and and traveling all the way to the west coast it's hard to say what we get with them uh uh, the Falcons at the 49ers is pretty intriguing. Uh, the Falcons are looking good right now. Mm-hmm. And although we can expect that they should be in tank mode, they're not. And they won't be this week either for the simple fact of, you know, Kyle Shanahan used to work for the Falcons coach. And uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other link, links between the coaching staff. So I do think the Falcons want to come in here and play upset-minded football against the 49ers. Uh, be very tough to beat the 49ers in San Fran, but it is um, it is a game that I'll be keeping an eye on for a possible halftime play. Wouldn't mind seeing the Falcons get off to a hot start here and then see if we can pick up the 49ers at the half at a discount and try to lock them in for uh, something that's under six points. All right, all right. Sunday Night Football is going to be a good one. Maybe not on the scoreboard, but should be entertaining nonetheless. We got the two 
AFC wildcard teams currently as the Buffalo Bills traveled to the Steel City, faced the Steelers. Uh, Steelers, one and a half point favorites in this one. Again, total 37. Ugh. So, I think I like a side on this one. I think I, I'm going to try to read your minds on this one. I'll tell you if I'm right afterwards or not. But uh, this is a big one here. It's a very big one. I like the way that the Bills are playing. How do you feel? I feel like the Bills are in trouble going into oh, Pittsburgh. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think everyone, or the public, I won't say everyone, I think a lot of the public betters line these two teams up, and they feel like everything is identical and the same, except for the quarterback position. And they're rating uh, you know, the Bills quarterback a little too highly over the Steelers quarterback in this one due to name recognition. This playing in Pittsburgh on a primetime Sunday or Monday night game is tough no matter who they filled. And then also to couple that with the way their defense is just playing and wreaking havoc right now, we couple that with the fact that the Bills quarterback loves to turn the ball over, uh, especially strip fumbles, things like that. I think this one could be a little bit ugly for the Bills. Um, I'm on the Steelers here. Interesting, interesting. I, You know, to me, the one thing always – Whenever you see that home team not get in the field goal, you know, at home, it's always pretty interesting to me. But, uh, I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the way that the Hodges and the boys are playing. That defense, really, too, for the for the Steelers has just been absolutely fantastic. However, my whole thing here is that, you know, I guess if the Bills can get the running game going, that kind of neutralizes a lot of, you know, the, the pass rush and the secondary that the Steelers can bring at the Bills. So... You know, we, we've seen it in recent weeks here where the Bills have, you know, racked up the yards on the ground or whether they use the ground game to get the pass game going. Uh, they, they were damn they were damn close against the Ravens last week. And I, I do want to add this one because I just thought of it was either last week or the week before you brought up a question about, you know, kickers in regards to handicapping. Yes, yes, I did. This game is an absolute must to understand the kicking situation. Okay. It is extremely, extremely hard for visiting kickers to make field goals in Pittsburgh, especially when they open the stadium where they very, very rarely are able to kick it uh, beyond 40, 45 yards to make field goals here. Um, this could be another one. See these Steelers up two or three points at the end of the game. The Bills drive down. The guy tries a 50-yard field goal, and he is not even close. So <laughs> I do expect the game to be close because of these defenses. Um but I really like the angle and the edge of Pittsburgh playing at home. You know, the old school handicapping playbook tells you home field is worth minus three points. Hmm. Those days are gone. The Carolina Panthers at home aren't worth minus three points. They have no real home field advantage or no crowd there. The Pittsburgh Steelers, to me, are always worth, you know, more than – I wouldn't say they're always worth more than minus three, but uh, they're always worth giving them uh, three or four point towards whatever – you know, way the line is going for their home field advantage, especially when they're playing under the lights in a night game. I think this is bad news for the Bills. Interesting, interesting. All right, let's take it to uh, Monday Night Football here where we got the Colts at the Saints. Saints, eight-point favorites. Interesting total here, 45-and-a-half on that. Um, pretty big news that came out today, uh, New Orleans, uh, Sheldon Rankings, uh, and uh, Najee, not Najee, I'm his name is escaping me, but Davenport, uh, you know, they're both out for the season now for the Saints. So do you see that playing a big factor? Or you think it's roll, uh, roll Saints, roll? Um, well, 
couple angles here. Um, I haven't finalized the position here for multiple reasons. Uh, for one, the Colts are the Colts are all but dead in the water. You know, they're they're right. all of a sudden they're six and seven. You have Houston and Tennessee both at eight and five. Houston and Tennessee are going to play each other two times. So even if they split those matchups, that leaves the Colts on the outside looking in, and the Colts don't have any games left against either one of those teams. So um, if it wasn't for that, I'd be all over the Colts, you know, getting this many points on Monday night. But the first thing we need to do is see what the final injury report is. You've already brought up two injuries. We see the defense regressing as people keep falling. You know, they're possibly will be without A.J. Khan and uh, Kiki Alonzo, a linebacker who weren't there last week. We saw that be devastating to their defense. And then also the um, – their offensive tackle Armstead had a walking boot on after the last game, didn't participate in practice yet this week. Uh, the other offensive talk tackle Andros Pete, he's questionable. So until we understand what the Saints injury report finally is, um, it's hard to make a determination on what position we take in this game. You know, T.Y. Hilton's expected to be back for the Colts. And then again, I think the hardest thing to judge is, you know, what kind of effort will we get from a Colts team? playing a Monday night game in New Orleans whenever they're really playing for nothing. Um, But it's hard to take a position until we find out, you know, who the Saints are going to play and not play. Uh, uh, Let me try to see here real quick what their playoff picture there. You know, 10 and 3, they're fighting for home field, so I would doubt that Peyton just rests them um, if they're able to play. But if they're not able to play, then, you know, missing both your offensive tackles, two middle linebackers and two guys off your defensive line is going to make it very hard to stop that uh, Colts power run game. I also think it's worth noting that although the Saints have played decent defense last year and this year, especially uh, in certain spurts where they played excellent defense, their defensive coordinator has him um, as a very lowly rated uh, coordinator in regards to making uh, in-game adjustments and being able to deal with um, having a thinned out roster. So he was there before whenever we've seen the saints get gutted and he's been there during the good times. And usually the good times are because they're stacked, but I think the defense is getting really, really thinned out. And um, if all these injuries hold up, there's a possibility I would be willing to take the Colts with the eight points for the simple fact that I think they're able to run the ball in that Saints defense and keep Drew Brees off the field. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, that uh, that fantasy matchup I was telling you about, probably going to come down to – so I got Mike Thomas. My buddy got Alvin Kamara. So probably going to come down to that on the final night. So Yeah, well, I think, you know, well, what you want to hope for then is see this Colts team control the clock <laughs> and try to get up the score to and really force the, uh, the Saints to throw the ball a little more than they like to. And the Colts' defense is, is decent, especially against the run. So the Saints should have to pass the ball. And Michael Thomas almost always gets his. I'm sure he'll – he won't go silent on Monday night. I mean, if the boys, uh, if the boys in New Orleans want to watch the game film from uh, Jameis and and the and the bunch, you know, did put up thirty eight on them last year. So <laughs> yeah. Just saying, just saying. Yeah, the Buccaneers are still fighting, man. You should you should be proud that they're, you know, it's important for a team to not tank and show effort. I think it says a lot about who you are as an organization. Um, you know, some of the perennial powers, of course, this year it's hard to find an example, but, you know, if the Patriots or the Chiefs or the Saints or, 
you know, even the Packers and some other teams like that, I mean, they wouldn't be tanking this time of year because I think it sends a really wrong message to your to your young guys. So I do want to, um, you know, give a little clap for uh, Bruce Arians and Tampa Bay Buccaneers for going ahead and competing and, and playing hard this year. And it's tempting to – it would be tempting to take them at Detroit, um, but the three and a half in that hook is just too much. I think it's similar to, like, the other games if – if you get the Buccaneers at halftime, you know, plus a field goal or something like that, that might be something to look into because they are lighting it up on offense. They look really good. And, um, it is also worth noting that I think uh, Godwin's gone, right? He's done. Evans. So. Evans is the one that's gone. Oh, okay. All right. But, you know, so they're starting to yeah. lose some guys too. But it's, um, yeah, go Bucks, go. And I would just like to let it be known, and I have been in this position many of times uh, coming down the stretch here where playoffs are not in sight. I am not some fraudulent fan like a lot of Giants fans that I watch these games with, you know, who are, like, rooting for Eli to, you know, throw picks. And, like, I, I've, I've been a part of some absolute fraudulence where some of these Giants fans are rooting for the Cowboys to win so that they get a better draft pick, you know? And... I, the way the way that it worked out last year, you know, because I don't know if you remember, week 17, Cole Beasley catches that ball in the back of the end zone. Giants fans that I know and, and, and sort of respect, well, I guess I don't respect them as much anymore, cheering for, for the Cowboys to win that game. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, the Cowboys aren't even in my division. I don't want to see them get one win every year. But, and again, their their gift for that loss was Daniel Jones. So, you know, what goes around comes around, fellas. Yeah, the, you know, the whole tanking thing, I, I think the other reason you see good organizations, even during down years when they get knocked out early, that they don't do it is because you can go through every year's draft and find teams that picked a really, really bad pick at three and a team that got a really, really good player at 11. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, I, 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 you know, unless you're getting a um, – you know, a Michael Vick or a Peyton Manning type number one pick and, and you're somebody like the Dolphins or the Giants this year and it's down to the last three games and it's the sweepstakes to get that guy. That's one thing. But I've never really understood these teams are, you know, and, and you do see it happen and it does look pretty evident, but they're trying to like move up from 14 to 12 and yeah. and, and think that's going to make a huge difference in regards to rebuilding their team. It's just not, but um, you know, it's sports, and some of these teams are uh, ran very well and coached very well, and some of them just are not. So yeah. just because, you know, they're rich uh, billionaires and they're able to buy the team doesn't mean that they're uh, necessarily the best guy to have in charge. Before we head out for the night, of course, I have to talk about the greatest uh, flop tank job of all time. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my hated uh, New York Knicks over there. So, you know, got to, <laughs> you know, got to rub a little more salt in that wound right there, but... You know, who knows? All right, so as we uh, dive into, well, not dive, but as we march toward week 15 of the NFL season, uh, any, any closing thoughts here before uh, we uh, hit the stop button on this damn thing? Well, I know a lot of people like to get their bets in early and try to beat line movement and get the best of it. I think this is definitely a time of year because of the injuries that you're you really need to wait till after the uh, final injury report comes out Friday and take that into determination in your handicapping. So my advice would be to take your time and um, really walk cautiously these last couple weeks. We have over half the teams playing where we really don't know where their mindset is. So um, it is a time I think it's it's about time to maybe decrease some volume and um, tighten up tighten up what you swing at. 
I like it. I like it. All right, folks, if you like what you heard and you want to get in more on the action, you can certainly do so. Go to sportspredictor.com. A uh, lot of great professional betters sharing their picks, just like Chris. Uh, you get a lot of uh, you know his insights. Not only the picks. You get a lot of insights as to why you're getting them. So make sure you do that. Follow Sports Predictor on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Once again, that's on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Also, make sure you follow Chris there as well. That's going to be at Cash Gritty. Once again, on Twitter at Cash Gritty. Always dropping the dimes and free plays and things like that. So uh, definitely someone that you want to be tuned into. So for me, Chris, and the rest of the Sports Predictor gang, we are out of here. See you next week. Thanks, Al. Later.